You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. What's up? This is Worshipology, a conversation all about living and leading worship. It's practical, it's biblical, it's spiritual. And uh, today I've got uh, my homie from Chapel Springs Church in Northern yes, Virginia. We got Josh Wesley on the podcast. Say hey, what's up, dude. <laughs> what it do, what it do. It's so good to be with you, man. <laughs> now, Josh, we've known each other for quite some time because we've led worship together in our district here within the Assemblies of God. Correct. And uh, how long have you been up there at Chapel Springs Church, man? Uh, you know what? I just celebrated, well, I'm nine going on 10, almost closer to 10 than I am nine. 10 years. Wow, here at Chapel man. Chapel Springs, bro. I'm. It's, it's, Let's it's, go. It's good. I'm becoming one of the old veterans here. Hey, man. I mean, I like you know, that. to stay the course and be somewhere for almost a decade and, you know, church life isn't easy. I know you've had to navigate challenges over that decade, man, and I'm sure we're going to get into some of that fun stuff. But uh, just for those who don't know, Josh Wesley, man, just give us a snapshot of your story. How'd you get involved in worship and music? And I know you travel. Yeah, uh, but I, I love what you said earlier before we hit record. You're like, man, just call me a lover of people. Because I love I just, to pastor. That is it. I am a, I love to pastor. So I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in church, been leading worship since I was 13, 14 years old. Wow. Um, in youth ministry, and I did Christian hip hop and all that stuff like that, traveled. Um, Let's go, man. To, to, to worship ministry. So, you know, there's there's that side of it where you have just grown up in church. And I'm on the other side of the pendulum where I love church, everything about church. If you ask me what sounds wow. like a great vacation, I would probably pick my top five, top 10 churches, go city to city. I want to sit in their, <laughs> their <laughs> executive meetings. I want to see a rehearsal, all that good stuff, just to see what the church culture is like and just to observe. So I love that. I love uh, not just the church as a, a organism, but the, the people that make it up. Yeah. So um, my, my whole entire background is very colorful, um, multicultural, um, different from suburbs to the inner city, uh, to affluent, to not having anything, um, black, white, Hispanic, whatever that looks like. Um, I I'm pretty well versed in it all. Um, mm. and I'm always hungry to learn more. Don't know it all, but, um, I'm always hu- hungry to learn whatever I can do to, to love people better. So, so you said you started leading worship at 13 years old. Was that kind of like, old. uh, Voluntold from your dad or what? <laughs> you know what? So uh, I I come from a big church, so I'm one of the few folks is like, okay, I'm I'm a big church product, right? Um, okay, Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, Pastor Westlake, and so I was out there, grew up, and we had a bigger youth ministry, and I just felt like you know God was calling me to lead worship. Started playing bass, and nobody wanted me to sing, so I just Kept on singing by myself, but uh, uh, all of a sudden, I just started feeling the call of God to just lead worship. An opportunity mm. came for me to do that. Uh, the youth group was several hundred people. It was like a bigger youth group. And then um, I went to Master's Commission in Orlando, Florida at Faith Assembly. Oh, uh, nice, another, nice. A, another bigger church, right? So I had a lot of mentors. I, I'm not a product of a Bible college or anything like that. I'm a product of mentorship. So wow. with that, uh, I look around, I'm like, how in the world did I end up in the rooms that I'm in? 
um, with great mentors, great pastors, great music ministers that mm. cared for me as a person and saw me and spoken to my life, my wife's life. And because of that, the whole mentorship I got in my blood and it changed wow. my life. So I started uh, changing folks life when nobody wanted me at 13, 14 years old. Um, I had a, a pastor, Pastor Dave Mualo came through, picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on solid. No, I said, all uh, right, <laughs> all right. Get a little map no, no. city on us yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, I was I was being a little uh, um, church promiscuous little boy and <laughs> yeah. he told me if i if i did it again he was going to stand me up in front of the whole entire youth group and call me out wow and, that'll put uh, the fear of god in you and i was like no he's like you're living a devil double standard so wow. uh i got my life right and i fell in love with the presence of god and i've uh when i went to faith there was this um this piano that was in the auditorium and i would find myself playing a C chord and a C sus chord, C chord, C sus chord, is mm -hmm. singing, uh, this is the air I breathe. And I'd go to Pastor Johnny Wilson and I'd ask him for one more, ask him for one more chord, give me a chord. And he'd give me a chord. I'd look over his shoulder, give me one chord. So I'd go back and practice it. And I just found myself leading myself in worship and by myself wow. when nobody else was around. And mm. I fell in love with, with, with that aspect of leading worship. And then all of a sudden, opportunities came. And, um, you know, when preparedness meets opportunity, there's much chance for success. And um, that's good. I went into ministry. I was a music pastor at age 20 at a church in Tampa, Florida. Uh, wow. I really had no business being there. <laughs> so I was so I'm music pastoring at 20, a church of about, I don't know, 800 grew uh, 2,500 plus. Right. I was wow. there for 13 years. And the first three years were uh, anti-heaven. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anti-heaven, all right. Anti-heaven, right? We're following and you. Y'all you, 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 tracking with me. We're tracking. tracking, we're tracking. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was stressful, man. And uh, the, the young kid had to learn how to flow, flow and that the church isn't my jukebox and learning how to pastor the moment. That's learning good. how to flow in altar calls. And Pastor Russo spoke into my life. And, uh, man, he, he taught me a lot about, uh, cultivating a heart and a hunger for God. Um, but a lot of that, you know, I, I think I was always a good person, a good hearted person. I love Jesus. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago when I came to Chapel Springs and I met Pastor Scott live and he, he showed me the underbelly of ministry of mm. what it's like to really follow Jesus, right? Wow. Because, and even in my own personal life, I learned that I could, um, I, I was raising up kids to do ministry, like, um, and I was showing them all the tricks and trades of writing sets and music and mm. all that stuff. But a couple months or a year into their ministry, there'd be character issues. And when wow. your heart breaks for that, that moment, you're like, okay, I I need to change something. Something's got to change. And then I started looking inside of myself and becoming a follower, a lover of Jesus in practical ways. What does it mean? You know, I don't know, Curtis, it, it, real question. I know. Has anybody ever just sat down with you and said, hey, let's open up the scripture and let's see what the Lord says? Yeah. Has anybody ever just sat down with you and 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 just walked you through a daily? What does it look like to follow Jesus today? What does it look mm. you know? 
Um, there's not a lot of discipleship in that area, especially yeah. for us music ministry uh, ministers because it's commoditized. It's mm. what I do. I perform f- so that people can follow Jesus, right? Wow. But nobody wow. does it sit back and talk with you. So Pastor Scott, man, he came and he showed me a different culture, a different a different uh, way to do church. And mm. and it changed my life, bro. Um so that's kind of where I'm at now where I've I've done the conferences, I've been around, I've sung with folks and if you're in Central Florida, everybody's in Central Florida. Uh, and <laughs> that's like I, a, a must stop area if you're yeah, a worship leader. At some if point. you're a worship leader, you you down there and that was back in the time when William McDowell, Martha, everybody's yep, down yep, there. Everything's yep. happening, right? Well, talk to me a minute because I, you mentioned something that, you know, the character issues that often come, the attacks often come, you know, in a very public setting when it comes to being a worship pastor because it is a very public role. What is it about a worship pastor that draws that attack? And then for so many out there, I think you've hit on some points where there's not a ton of discipleship there, maybe not a lot of accountability, but what is it about the worship role that draws the attack? And for so many people, they're unable to have their character sustain them in that season. What is it, Josh? Uh, My mama used to say it like this, uh, son, uh, perfume is good to smell, but don't drink it. Mm. Uh, Right? Like there's there's a level of adulation. There's a level of um, praise that you get because you're so good. You know, I was talking to somebody Mm. at at the most recent conference and you walk, you lead worship at a conference. You walk the hallways at the hotel. People are like, you're so good, man, man, God's God bless you. And it's like, you did this and you did this. And it's like, "Ah, I did none of this. Like, and it's like, you want to say thank you, but it's like, and you're trying to not have this false humility. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, thank you, but it really wasn't for you, man. Praise God. So you try to figure out a way, but after you hear that a hundred times and Mm. people are, are, man, it's your worship man. I love the word, but it's your worship. It's like that. We're, we're drinking the, the, the food that's prepared for God. We're, 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 we're partaking from the altars that we're sacrificing Mm. from. And, um, so, so for me, because of the nature of the ministry of, of music and being on the platform, all that, um, it's a trap. It really is a trap that if we're not careful, we'll begin to drink our own praise and, um, in a functional way. So, um, that's, that's one area that, uh, it's just the nature of the beast. So there's times where I just gotta, I just gotta go home quick. Like it was a great yeah. service. I got to go home quick. I, and I, and I don't need to see any of the social media post. And I, wow. I need to take a moment behind the stage. Um, and I need to go home and, and I need to do some laundry. Mm. I need to go home and play with my kid. I need Just to go remember home. your your dad at the end of the day. <laughs> hey, I need to go home and do some dishes and serve. And I need to yep. go home and, and, and listen to my wife and, and, wow. and, and be a man of God, not pastor Josh. Wow. That's actually really good advice, Josh. And I think, you know, one of the ways that, um, so many of us can get out of that is that we start to believe the own hype. Like we, we believe our own hype. Like, yep. you know, when you, when you just get around yes people and you just get around people that you know are going to feed that ego, there's a danger in falling into that trap. But, you know, I, I gave this advice to somebody last week. I said, look, if I knew I had a gambling problem and my route home past a casino, 
I'd find a different route. Yeah, you, you need to change that route, man. And I think what you just said about like, you know, there's times where it's like, man, I just need to, I'm going home. I'm going to remember that, hey, at the end of the day, for my kids, I'm just dad. And for my well, my wife, I'm a husband before any other role. And just remembering that you can't bite the 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 food that you're serving up. You know, it's yeah. like you can't believe your own hype. What are some other practical ways you do that, man, on a day-to-day basis? I, I, I think uh, one, just maintaining the time with God. So maintain with a time with God. That's good. And, and, and when I say that, it's not preparation time to preach, preparation time to, to sing or lead worship and mm. I have this something in my No, this is, this is for me. You're not going to see this post. You're not going to see what's in my journal. This is good. simply for Josh. So, and when you immerse yourself in that kind of rhythm of life, um, like take it for instance, if you decide to uh, go binge watch Suits or go binge watch something off of Netflix, right? And if you watch yeah. five episodes in a row, I'm pretty sure sometime throughout that day, you're going to talk about this show, right? There was a time yep. when, when 24 came out, to, I was watching 24. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think I binge watched 24 within, I watched the whole entire season in like two weeks. And I'm in the yeah. middle of a prayer, prayer request time for staff. It's staff roll call prayer time. You know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. we're getting ready to pray and we're asking for, uh, we're asking for prayer requests. And I literally almost said, can we pray for President Palmer, the, the president of 24, right? You were and, living it. You were living it. I was it. living, I was immersed in it, right? And, yeah. and, and it's the same way with our, our relationship with Jesus. If I'm living it, if I'm immersed in the word, if I'm immersed in God's presence, it's going to naturally come out and it doesn't feel weird because that's the waters I swim in. So yeah. I, so because my life is immersed in God, um, my mm-hmm. relationships begin to immerse in God. So I have yeah. friends like Andres Lazama. He's like one of my best friends where we challenge one another and our conversations is like, yo, bro, how's your wife, bro? How's things going, man? What's the Lord yeah. saying to you? This this is common um, vernacular on my staff where we say, you know, what What did the Lord say to you today? Not not in general, but what did the Lord say to you today? So Yeah, that's good. So it, it, it breeds my, my one-on-one time with Jesus, feeds my community of people that I'm with. And wow. that adds a level of... A, of, of I, I shy away from saying accountability, but I think it just is a relationship that, yeah. that our life centers around God. Yeah. Um, and so, so that keeps me centered. That keeps me right. Um, it really, it has nothing to do with music. It has nothing mm. to do with the actual uh, musical form of worship. Yeah. It has everything to do with my living and being with Jesus and his people. And that's what keeps me grounded. Um, uh, at a simple, in a, in the most simplest form, um, there's no magic, there's no magic trick to it. Right. Uh, yeah. You got to put in the time. And if we can put in the time and spend our time with Jesus, we're transformed, we're changed and that changes mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. That's so good, man. I, I love the fact that, you know, you've got community around you. And like you said, it's, it's, it's relationship. You know, I, I remember my time on staff with Mark Batterson. He would often say, I want those who know me the best to respect me the most. And oh, man. That's deep. For, for those who are on a full-time staff and you're working day in and day out, for those who know you the best to respect you the most, it just takes authenticity. It takes, it takes like, it's not about, you know, the two or three hours on a stage. It's about 
six days and 24 hours or 22 yeah. hours outside yeah. of that where it's yeah, like, it okay, is your life really look like what you preach on stage? And I think one of the things I've seen you do really well is, you know, we'll do these district events and it's like, we just had a men's conference not too long yeah. ago and you came out and led worship with us. And oftentimes you're the guy that's putting all that together, uh, putting the bands together, made up of different worship leaders from different churches. And there's a camaraderie in those moments. There's a brotherhood in those moments. Yeah. And I mean, even like for you and I, like I hadn't seen you in like two or three years because I was in Nashville. And like, yeah. it's like immediately you just catch up because there's something about worship leaders together in the same room where we we've lived this life. We know what your week looks like. We know the set planning. We know the band rehearsals. We know the late nights, the early mornings. And it's like this instant camaraderie that happens. What are some ways that you do that? And just for those who are listening, whether you're a worship pastor or worship leader, or you serve on a worship team, or, or you're, or you're a worshiper of Jesus and you're longing for that type of community. What are some of the ways that you've just kind of fostered and stewarded those uh, relationships when it comes to, um, community and, and just like you said, it's not always accountability, but there is an intentionality behind that. Yeah. There's, there's, there's an authentic conversation that we can begin to have. And this, it's a two way street. One is I ask real questions with an expectation to get a real answer. So when somebody, yeah, most good. People, when we, when we greet people, Hey, how you doing, man, man, I'm good. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And most of the time, because uh, our fast-paced culture, when somebody says how you're doing, you could tell by the posture of the person asking the question, um, mm. did they really want to know how I'm doing? Or let's wow. give them the answer. Let's give them the answer that they have time to hear. Yeah. So you, how you doing? And your eyes are not locking with me. You're looking somewhere else. You're already on wow. to the next conversation. Or if you take a couple seconds, you say, no, no, bro, bro. How you really doing? Man, you don't. I'm looking mm. you in your eye. You don't. There's something behind that look. There's something behind that smile. Um, I, yeah. I think that's that's one thing. I ask authentic questions and I give authentic a answers. Right. So when somebody asks me how you're doing, I, I'll say, man, you know, I'm kind of struggling today. Wow. Here's why. Yeah. And for mm. those, and, and when you cultivate that that back and forth, that vulnerability, that I'm willing to be vulnerable and I'm willing to ask you to be vulnerable that creates a community and then you just don't leave it at uh, a conversation. Well, let me give you my Dr. Phil's worth of advice. Uh, yeah. We bring it to the word. We, let me pray for you. I don't have an answer for you, but I'm going to pray for you. And then later, a bit, little bit later on, a couple of days later, when we're out of sight, out of mind, I'm going to send you a text. Hey, how did the surgery go? Hey, brother, how, wow. how's your wife doing? How's, hey, how you doing with that pornography addiction? What's going on, bro? So you start wow. asking these deep questions. Like one thing I do, uh, if I get one on one with a dude, uh, is is I'll ask, yo, how, how's pornography, bro? Like it'll we'll be we'll be just having fun, just ah, wow, yeah, 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 man, yeah, I'll yeah. Be like, hey, bro, how's how's pornography, man? And, and, and my I'm, mic drop. <laughs> my, it's like, and most people are like, yo, can you say it like that? Yeah, yeah, I can say it like that because we're not asking people real questions, and and we're dying. We are literally dying so close to the vine. Wow. And and it makes no sense because we're not daring wow. to ask authentic questions and answer them. Um, so, so these That's are the, really good. The, the, having two way conversation, authentic questions, authentic answers is a way that you can cultivate that. Mm. You know, 
when I was asking you, like, you know, how do you want to be introduced? And you're like, man, just just a worship pastor. I, I love love people. I love to pastor people. What is it, Josh, that makes a worship pastor? I just remember, um, you know, Aaron Keys once said uh, to me, he said, you know, there's worship leaders who lead songs. There's worship pastors who lead people. And we don't need any more worship leaders. Uh, we yeah. need worship pastors. Talk to me a little bit about what it is to you when you hear that role, worship pastor. What's the difference between a worship leader and a worship pastor? What, what really takes it to that element of shepherding people, man? Green rooms and hallways. Ooh, okay. Right. Talk to me. So green rooms, everybody has a green room. This is where musicians can hang out before, after, during service. And, and you, <laughs> <laughs> you can get lost. You know, I sat in the service and I just sit back here during second service. But when you pastor people, you transition out of the green room and doing your thing, coming off the stage That's and good. doing your thing. And you start walking the hallways. You go around wow. hugging necks. You come around asking people. You see people. You, you're praying for people before and after service. And when I'm singing, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. And I just had a conversation with somebody who feels like they're at work in the presence of my enemy. And I'm singing over the people and we mm. lock, lock eye contact in the middle of a worship service and I'm singing over them. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I yeah. raise a hallelujah. You know, and, and there's a connection that happens because I know what's happening with the heart of the people. I know I have the good temperature of what's happening in the room, right? So yeah. part of being a worship leader is the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, right? A thermometer tells mm. what temperature the room is. A thermostat tells what the temperature it is, but it can also change the temperature to where it needs to be, right? That's good. So when you're walking around as a worship leader and you can test the temperature of the room and you can say, Lord, where, sh where should it be? Where, wow. where does it need to be? Do we need praise in this moment? Do we need worship? Lord, what is it that you're doing in this moment? Uh, yeah. It changes everything. So worship leader, worship pastor, you get up and uh, song leader, you get up and you do your thing and you're done. Mm. But Jesus's most powerful moments of his ministry happens when this combination of things happen. Uh, when he says he saw them, was moved with compassion and then he moved into action. He saw wow. somebody in their hurt. Yep. So he was obviously doing life with his eyes wide open. Yep. And then the Bible says he welled with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Something stirred. And then miracle signs and wonders happened. Right. So uh, as a worship leader, you have to lead worship wow. with your eyes open to see what's happening in your congregation. See what's happening in the room. See, are you connecting? Is this song the right song? Is this the right moment? How it was happening. Yep. And then out of that moment, you don't you're not manipulating people, but you're facilitating what God is wanting to do in the room. So you're moved with God's compassion for the people to just taste and see that God is good. And then you can have an expectation of the miracles, the signs and wonders. So for me as a worship pastor, those are, those are the things that I, I try to uh, instill in myself and remind myself and younger folks that, you know, if you got picked up by Uber and the driver pulled up with their eyes closed and a, that, <laughs> that's not going to instill security. But if you, if you're not getting in that open, car, <laughs> I'm not getting in that car. And no. every Sunday people get in the car being led by worship leaders that are unwilling to see where the people are at. Wow. That's so good, man. I, I just had a conversation with, uh, with Jasmine Brady Christmas. She's a worship leader in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about this whole idea of like leading with your eyes open, leading with your eyes closed, because it is fascinating um, 
just you default to closing your eyes and by doing that you immediately shut out what's happening around you and mm-hmm. uh, i was having a conversation with a guy that i was mentoring this is probably like five years back and i was just saying hey you know i would encourage you man like to try to lead with your eyes open he's like oh i, I do all the time i was like well what percentage would you say you lead with your eyes open versus eyes closed and he was like oh probably 80 percent of the time my eyes are open so we actually like had videoed the last service that he led and i think we counted a total of like 10 seconds where his eyes were open out of four songs and he just had no clue what is it about wow. like closing our eyes that is just like is it a default is it a comfort mechanism is it just something that like you know if i'm listening to music in my it's so funny if i'm listening to music in my office i really don't close my eyes that much like what is it about leading worship that like people love to close their eyes for it oh my goodness see i think some of it is we blend um the rooms right especially with this um, uh, intercessor movement and all that stuff, right? Yeah. This prayer movement, yeah. which works hand in hand with a worship with music, right? Um, you go to an IHOP, you go to this thing where everybody's really introspective and their eyes are closed and no shoes. Everybody smells like corn and bunions and stuff. Like it just, <laughs> it's just, you know what I'm saying? And, and nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I can't do no shoes, but yeah, yeah. you don't I want my shoes gotta, coming off. Yeah, hey, I got hey, dinosaur I toes. Go, I got to go to the pedicure. And anyway, <laughs> but I, there's this culture thing that happens where it's like, I'm so like closed off. Right. But when you pastor and not for, not for prayer, but you are leading the Sunday morning congregant that hasn't learned to have this deep worship time. They're babies. Mm. They're babies yeah. in their spiritual development by and large. This is, wow. the, you know, you know, you have the three with Jesus, you have the 12 with Jesus, and you have the 70, you know, you have the crowd. Yeah. This is, yeah. We're talking yeah. about the 5,000. And there's a level at which th- your leadership needs to lead where they're at. And you need mm. to be able to be a father, a mother in the moment and get down to where they're at, look them in the eye and help them get to where they're going in a very practical way. That's why you keep your eyes open. Um, Wow. You you need to connect with them. You need to slow down your words. You need to be intentional. You don't have to preach a sermon. Mm. You need to know the word of God and what, and and instead of giving me the fluff of what you ate for breakfast, you know, Mm. you need to, can you give me a word? Paraphrase it. But, but know in your heart, this is, the word of God that I'm speaking over you, not just um, conjecture, right? So yeah, there's yeah. there's a, there's a level of there's a level of intentionality of opening yourself and and, and showing that um, and show and and showing the vulnerability again, authenticity, mm. vulnerability. Show the vulnerability yep. of this is how you do it. I slow really down good. to show my son how to walk. Wow, right? I, so I, good. I, you slow down and show your, your child how to eat. I like that. Not rushing those moments too. And I think it was a couple of months ago, I was in a, uh, a gathering with a bunch of pastors and you were leading worship. And what I love about your heart in those moments is because your eyes are open, because you're sensitive to what the spirit's doing. Um, you, you took us back into some old school choruses. I'm talking mm-hmm. as the deer, mm-hmm. uh, and you just mm-hmm. blended it effortlessly. And, and I mean, if there's, ever a room where everybody in the room is going to know as the deer or, you know, taking it back to some seventies and eighties, uh, more modernish hymns, but like, man, it was such a powerful moment and it really inspired me. And I don't know if I've told you this, but it really inspired me, um, to look for those moments in the service where it's like, Hey, it's okay to pause here, 
not just in a room where there's a bunch of pastors, but on a Sunday morning. And we've been kind of practicing this rhythm of like, instead of just rushing from one song to the next, kind of creating a space, intentional moments where we're like, hey, this is your chance to hear from God. And if you're a first time visitor today, and you've never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're praying right now that you sense the voice of the Lord in your life. And we've had some stories come out of those moments, Josh, but talk to me a little bit about you know, I love asking worship leaders and worship pastors, like, what does it mean to be spirit led in your worship? What does that mean to you, Josh, as you've done it for so long in many different yeah. environments, spirit led um, worship? So, um, I, well, old school song, welcome into this place, welcome into this broken vessel. Mm. I, I, the, the concept of when we come into worship in a corporate setting, we welcome God into this space. Mm. It is is amazing, and I do welcome yeah. him into my heart. However, if we say this is the house of the Lord, this is his house, so nobody mm. really needs to welcome me into my house. This is my house. Okay, right? <laughs> all right. right. So, so I've even here recently, I have begin begun to change my verbiage to welcome him into this place to accepting his invitation. Wow. So let me let me begin to say yes to the invitation that God wants to spend time with me. Mm. Like more than him, me wanting him with me, uh, 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 him, he wants me with him. Wow. He spanned time and space to come close, draw us close to, 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 to fill that gap of eternity that we can have full on access. Heaven is not the anti hell. Heaven is is presence with Jesus. So if you don't enjoy the mm. presence of Jesus here on earth, you're probably not going to be motivated to really be in heaven because it's not the pearly wow. gates. It's not the gold. It's not, it is, it is actually just living purely connected to Jesus, to the spirit, yeah. to the spirit, to God. Right. So cultivating, um, to know that when you're walking throughout your day and you're on the bus here in the DMV, if you're on the, uh, the VRE, if you're on the train or wherever you are, that you can hear this still small voice saying, hey, how about you put the pencil down and just, just say hi there. Mm. Mm. Like, so if we could be people that would cultivate saying yes and mm. stop scrolling on our phones and, and wow. turn off the TV, just cultivate when when he is wooing you to just come close to slow down accept the invitation now that changes everything when you come to corporate worship now you have mm. everybody coming into a space where they're anticipating that god's arms are always open and they're always inviting you to come close come close come close and you're like god i say yes i entered the yeah. space saying yes i not just welcome <clears throat> into my heart but i say yes to experiencing you all that wow. you have for this moment, right? That changes the dynamic of everything. And it, it, it's humbling because I can't wow. control it. So, so I, I think that that dynamic of whose ask is it? Is it our ask of the Holy Spirit or is it the Holy Spirit's ask of us? Wow, that's really good, Josh. I'm still chewing on the fact that you just said, I don't need to welcome him into his own house. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. It's so good. Come on, and yet come how on. many of our songs, how many of our songs welcome God into what we would call, this is the house of the Lord? You know, let's, let's, ask, let's ask ourselves this. When we're planning our services, are we asking God's opinion about what needs to happen? Wow. Are we asking him to bless 
our plan. What we've already decided. Yeah. Well, we, this is what we're going to do. God, what you think? Well, well, I had thoughts before you decided. Mm. You know, there's, there's a, there's a way of, uh, uh, when somebody on the staff comes and talks to me and they say, Hey, we're going to do blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, I say, Hey, real pause real quick. Is this information or is this conversation? Is this, <laughs> is this, is, are you, like telling, are you telling me you're not going to show up today? Or are we conversating about this today? Wow. But it's, wow. So, so there's a level of when we start to plan, practically plan our services, our sermons, our moments, are we coming in with the curiosity of God? What are you up to today? Wow. And what part of this is conversation? And if there's ever to be information, Lord, let me hear from yeah. you. That's so good. That's so good for, for people that might be planning worship sets every single week and you're putting the songs together and you're, you know, you're getting all of the information on what's going down in that service. I know like this weekend, you know, we've got a, a, a whole bunch of different elements happening and there's a lot of transitional moments and it's like, you can get so busy and planning, planning, planning. And sometimes you get in that autopilot mode yeah. where you're just like, okay, I know this song is going to work great and we don't have a ton of time to rehearse. So we could pull this one off without any problems and this and that. Oh, who's on the band? This Well, they don't play that song very well. So let's change this song to this. And you start making decisions out oh of goodness. information at, instead of with the heart of revelation, with the heart of yeah. like seeing transformation. And, and if I can put any more spiritual words in there, I try, yeah, I'll try yeah, to, yeah. but, but I mean, it's so important to basically say, God, what is it you want to accomplish this weekend? And how can I help you? Yeah, Like, how it, can I be a part of what you're doing? <laughs> Jesus, what does a win look like from you right now? What wow. does a win look like? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a game changing thing to step out of the, uh, as a worship leader, the, it's not that I'm driving where I want to go, but I'm more like, um, a chauffeur. Yeah. Yes. I'm driving really I'm good. in the driver's seat, but the, whose car is it is in the back. Mm. When I pick them up, God is telling me where I'm going and my hands happen to be on the steering wheel, but this is his car. Going his You're direction. the Uber driver. You're the and Uber I'm the, driver. I'm, I'm Uber, baby. I'm Uber, baby. And that's, Someone that's else so, is putting that maps in. Somebody else, hey, where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? That's it. And, and, and this is not your car. This is not your service. Listen, man, we could talk all day. But, but dude, with our remaining time, I, I want to ask you something I've been asking worship leaders uh, on the podcast, and I, I just always am challenged by the answer I get. But uh, you're somebody that I know hears from the Holy Spirit. You spend time in prayer. You spend time soaking in his presence. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right here, right now, uh, in these days for such a time as this, Josh? Identity, sons and daughters, um, mm. and learning how to uh, cultivate that, that identity. And, and it's for me, from being a son, it teaches me everything I need to know about being a father. It teaches me everything I need to know about being a husband, a friend, a brother. Um, and, and, and I continually go back to some of the ethics in relationship because of my sonship to a perfect father. Not my earthly wow. father, but to, to God. The level of forgiveness, the, what love looks like, the level of grace looks like. I'm able to receive that and pass that on. So in this area of, of this moment in time in ministry, as, as I'll always be a worship leader, but I don't know what the next season looks like, right? There's a part wow. of me that I am, um, I'm fathering a fatherless generation of worship leaders. Uh, the, church mm. has done a, the church has done a really bad disservice with how we handle older 
music pastors and the pendulum has swung between, you know, you have to be a certain age and now young. And so we, you know, you age out when you get 40. Yeah, the lead pastor. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Don't tell me uh, bro, that, it's, I'm just telling you, bro. It, well, at least back in the day, it did. I gotta it get did, that just for men. Just for men, hair color. You know, yeah, beard, I gotta, man. I gotta dye. We gotta dye these beers, man. For those who who don't see, we're on Facetime right now. We both, yeah. we both are, you know, comparing the amount of gray in our beards right now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, back in the day, when pastors get older, they they knew that their their counterpart worship pastor had to get younger, so you both couldn't get old together, or the platform had to be a certain age. Right. Wow. So we sent a lot of amazing music pastors out to pasture and, wow. and, and a lot of their heart of knowing how to cultivate the moment got lost. So I stand in the gap between the older OGs of music ministry that got retired because there was a flip and, and they also got, they also got set up wrong because there was a time in ministry where a pastor would come to you and say, why am I paying you? Wow. And and they would never endure the hardship of the couple of months of raising up new worship leaders. Mm. Like it's going to stink for a little bit, but raise them up because in six months, if you just stick with it, you're going to you're going to it's going to hurt you when the when the next church comes by and they need a music pastor and they, they fit the bill. Right. Um, wow. So. So right now, I feel like my time is to raise up the next generation to pastor to fill in the blanks of why we do what we do and not just chords and songs and transition but let's cultivate the heart of worship leaders well and uh, so i'm standing in the gap for all the og music pastors that i love out there i wish it you know dave Mm. thomas down in uh uh, fort myers jonathan faggard that was at uh, faith assembly jonathan uh, john tillman that was in kansas city all these guys that got retired out or because they weren't you know what I'm saying? Nah, man. Uh, there's mm. Pastor Karen uh, uh, down in uh, uh, um, Hampton, VA. I, I think about I think about them and all that they've contributed to the culture, and wow. I want to be faithful with what I saw them and pass it on. That's so good, man. I think that's a challenge for anybody who's in that season of ministry where you just got some stuff to pass on. Don't bottle it up. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour into that next generation, dude. Josh, such a good time, man. So grateful to have you on the podcast, bro. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, man. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.